today's message is called Now. That's it. Now. Nice and short and sweet. Now. And uh, we're going to start at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles, dot, dot, dot. When I think of all this, Paul, he's about to pray for the uh, Ephesian church again. He's prayed this prayer that we've been praying over and over just that God would open our eyes and see him. So he's about to pray this prayer. And in verse 14, he actually does the prayer. And then from this verse 1 to 13, he goes off on a bunny trail, just talking about a whole bunch of things, about the mysteries in Jesus Christ. But he says this, when I think of all this, today we're just going to focus on one verse, just one. You're like, sweet, five minutes, we're out of here. Don't get the coffee ready. It's not going to be that. When I think of all this, Paul says, what is he thinking about? Everything he just wrote in the first two chapters. He said this, when I think about the fact that we've been united with Christ and that his spirit is in us. Think about that for a second. When we think about that, we're united with Jesus Christ. His Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He says, when I think about that, we once were dead in sin. No hope, no chance, but he made us alive in him. When I think about that, when I think about the fact that once we were separated from him and each other, But now he's like creating this relationship called a family with him and with each other, with one another, bringing this together. And he says that we are being built into this beautiful home for the spirit of Jesus Christ. That he lives in us. That God lives in you. Do do you get that? God, almighty God, creator of this universe, creator of everything with miraculous power, raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Yeah, you don't get it. (laughs) He lives in you. It's amazing. Amazing. Paul's saying, hey, when I start thinking about this, why is this, why do I say that? Because he's just spent two chapters talking about how amazing it is that Jesus has done all of this stuff. He's encouraging the church that he planted. It's like a pastor talking to his church and saying, hey, this is, you know, this is what's really on my heart. But then he says these next couple words that just kind of, kind of blows your mind a little bit. He says, I'm Paul. A prisoner of Christ Jesus. Paul's in prison as he's writing all this and you don't even find it out until now. Two years, like two chapters, I mean, he's just spending all this time saying, man, this is how amazing God is. This is how great, uh, how great God is. This is what he's doing. And Paul's under house arrest this whole time. He didn't even know it. Why? Because Paul's a prisoner but doesn't sound or act like a prisoner. And I want to speak to you this morning uh, uh, on this thought, just this one thought that you could be going through uh, or living in a prison right now in your life doesn't mean you have to think like a prisoner. So often what we allow in our lives to happen is that we're going through something so difficult and we think that God's going to do something on the other end. But Paul shows us really clearly that it's not the way he's thinking. You know, when Paul's writing this to Ephesians, he says, hey, you know, um, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I'm writing to Ephesians. I'm like, you know what? I'm in here like on false charges. I've been falsely accused. And I think you guys should write a petition and see if you can get like at least a thousand Ephesians to sign it to get me out of this place. Bust me out of here. I'm like a Roman citizen. I shouldn't be here. And if that doesn't work, well, all right, then bake me a cake with a file, a hacksaw, and a shovel and send it to Rome, you know, care of Paul. Uh, I'm busting out of here. I'm going to make my own season of prison break and I'm getting out. And if that doesn't work, then pray for me. Because you guys, all, y'all prayed for Peter one day. You know, he's in jail and you prayed for him and God busted open the doors and, you know, set Peter free. So, you know, pray for me. I, I got to get out of this prison. 
He says, and you know what? I was once in prison too with my buddy Silas. We were in prison in, in uh, Philippi. And uh, we're just there and in the middle of the night, all of a sudden God busted open the doors and, and we walked out of prison. So I know he can do it for me. I know he's done it for me before. So would you guys pray so I get out of this prison? Because then I can do what God wants me to do. You just don't see that attitude in Paul at all. And yet you see it oftentimes in Christians uh, that, that as they, 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 they're in a tough spot in their life. Too often Christians think that, you know, this life with Jesus Christ is just going to be all a bed of roses and super easy, you know, real simple. It's all the highs of the roller coaster, none of that gut, like, you know, spewing lows that you go through. It's just this, this thing, it's all good with Jesus. But, but it isn't. You know, if we're, if we're genuine and honest, a lot of you are going through some really tough stuff right now. The problem is you don't realize that God can be in and move through the tough stuff that you're going through in your life. And Paul says it to us. He's saying, hey, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, but I'm not, not a prisoner. There's a lot of Christians who have like an Eeyore mentality. You know, anybody watch Winnie the Pooh? You, you don't have to admit, it's all good. Um, I only do it because my kids, you know. Uh, but Eeyore, you know, you, he's like this, this, this uh, always constant, uh, down and out, you know. Nothing ever works for me. It wouldn't matter anyways. Well, you would be too if you had like a tail bolted to your butt with a big nail, right? But it's like this, this idea of, oh, I try, it never works. And, and Christians say the same thing. Mark, I pray. He just doesn't answer my prayers. He doesn't love me like he loves you. You won't say that last part, but that's what you think. You know, are you, like, I read the Bible, I just don't get it. You know, uh, everyone else, is everything going good for them? Good. They pray and God answers their prayers, it just doesn't work for me. And you begin getting into this mode where that might be, you know, your today, but all of a sudden it becomes your life. You know, yesterday was pretty sucky. Today's lousy. Winter's never going to end. Tomorrow doesn't look any better. And you start getting into this mode and you start feeling sorry for yourself. Have you ever been to a place where you feel sorry for yourself? Never. Ne- never. Uh, you know what? Here, you preach. Um, uh, have you ever, it's pretty easy to get there. Last night I was asking, you know, have you ever feel sorry for yourself? And one of the ladies here, she's like, yeah, I had to cook dinner tonight for my bratty kids. And I was like, and she's like, oh, I'm like, man, that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty easy to just get to like feeling sorry because you had to cook dinner. Um, you know, there's times where you look at your life and you think, you know, it's not, not, things aren't going my way doors are closing in my face. The things, God, I thought you were doing this, and bam, 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 bam. And you're like, oh, I just, I guess, I guess you're not moving in my life, God. I guess, guess you're not doing stuff. And, and it's this idea of, oh, well, I don't even think God's real. I had a guy last night who came here, hasn't been to our church in a while. He's going, he's going to another place, and it's, it's good. But um, he was sharing just his story with me last night. He just said, you know what? Uh, there's these times where I just wanted to go to school and it's like it just didn't seem to go through for me and I was like I was I was praying God I'm going to I want to do your work and, and and the money wasn't coming in and things started changing and it was just like this oh you know and, and so he said so I just turned my back on God I said forget it you know if he's not doing you know if he's not going to help me to serve him then forget it I'm not doing this anymore and for a year I ran away from God and he says the biggest mistake I ever made in my life I'm digging myself out of a hole now trying to come back just to that place. And I got a great chance to encourage him. But it was this idea of, you know, God, you're not doing stuff for me. Forget you. If it's not going the way I want it to go, it can't be you. I want to I talk to that a little bit this morning because uh, what happens with us is we get into these places where Paul was in prison but not focused on the bars. He's in prison but not focused on, on, the, on, on himself, which is so often what, what um, the enemy wants to do in our, in our lives, to focus on the problems to focus on this idea of, oh, this is what I'm going through. And sometimes it's real spiritual. 
it's your prayer request. You know, every week you've got a problem. You know, it's this idea, oh, this is what I'm going through. Oh, this is what I'm going through. You know, oh, if God doesn't do that, oh. and, and you're kind of going through this. Sure, there's times for it, but other times it's like it, it's weighing you down. Your focus is in the wrong spot. And, the, and, and, you know, sometimes there's people who've got a problem, and you've had the same problem for all seven years that I've known you. You know, it's that, that idea of, oh, you talk to them, and you know what the conversation is going to be. Because it's just every time, it's that same thing. You know, my life sucks. It just never goes the way I want. You know, I try so hard. I pray, and, you know, I read the word, Mark, just blah, blah, blah. Just, it just doesn't work. But I'm still here, faithfully serving the Lord, you know, and, uh, and, and I'm like, oh, please don't share the gospel with anybody. They're not going to want to, you know, they're not going to want what you got. Uh, and it's this focus, you know, that when it comes right down to it, it's this focus on ourselves. It's this idea of just looking at our, just looking at ourselves and what we're going through. And you, say, you know, I realized from this one verse is Paul, you just don't see that attitude in him at all. As you see what he writes to other churches, you realize why he doesn't think like that. And I want to encourage you with that this morning. Three, just three quick thoughts. Number one is this, get your eye on the prize. Get your eye on the prize. This week, again, I, it's like this has to constantly be a reminder for me that as I'm going through life, that Jesus himself, he's the prize. It, this whole thing is just about relationship with him. It's, it's not that I'm going to study the word more. I'm going to pray harder. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to on, on purpose, I got to go and do stuff. It's just this idea of knowing him. Do I know him more? You know, going to watch the movie Son of God. I just want to, I just want to see that, that I might know him more. Uh, as I study the, the gospel, just want to know you more. As I worship here this morning, God, just want to know you more. I just, I, I want my eyes, the eyes in the inside to be open, that I can really see you, see who you are, because in seeing you, I, I, I'll, I'll have a much better idea of who I am as well. Philippians, Paul said this to the church there. He says, I'm pressing on for the prize of the upward call of knowing Jesus Christ. You know, in this verse, he says, I'm, I, you know, I, Paul, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He doesn't say I'm a prisoner of Rome. It's the Romans who've got him. You know, Brutus and Cletus are his, you know, his constant companions. He's under house arrest, but he's not going shopping, not going to the bathroom, not going anywhere without those two dudes being around him, whatever their names may have been. But he's a prisoner, uh, and, and his whole life is, is uh, you know, under, under this guard. But Paul said this, I'm not a prisoner of Rome. You know, it's not that I'm trying to bust out of here. If God's got me in this place, then I'm going to serve him here. I'm a prisoner of him. My life's not my own. It's to serve him. Now, I, I want to clarify one thing. Because all of us will right away begin to think of our prison. If you're thinking about your prison this morning, that's good. But if you think that your prison is something like sickness, uh, that's not what we're talking about this morning. God's not putting sickness on your life and saying, oh, hey, you know what? Here's, here's your prison. You know, you, you live in that. Uh, addiction. You might feel like addiction is your prison. It's not your prison. There's this, as I talk about this this morning, I want you to understand that there's going to be times in your life where maybe those are part of it. But that's not, that's, that's not the thing that God's put on your life to, to humble you or to make this thing work. Those are things that, you know, um, um, may have happened in, in your life or be a part of your life. But God wants to work through the attitude of that, that mindset of God. What, what are you, what, where are you? What are you doing? What can you be doing uh, through this time? Rather than this idea of get me out of here. No matter where I'm going, Paul said, I'm going to preach good news. In Acts chapter 23... Jesus had actually told Paul, hey, Paul, you're going to go to Rome and you're going to share the good news. He's like, oh, sweet. Because he was already arrested at that point. He was arrested in Jerusalem and he was already, you know, um, uh, in jail there and said, I'm, you're going to Rome. He's like, sweet vacation. You know, I'm, I'm out of here. You know, I'm going to Rome. But he, I don't think he realized that he's going to Rome and he's going to be in handcuffs in Rome. And uh, he'd have to be preaching about Jesus from prison. He said, you know, I don't think it's going to look like this. 
But Paul said to the Philippian church, let the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus be in you. The same attitude that Jesus had of, you know what, my life is to serve. It's not about I'm God and it's all about me and you peons better like do what I say or I'll like fry you all. He could have. He really could have. Jesus had that kind of power. You know, when they came to arrest him, the Bible talks about how they were just just, um, uh, uh, people falling because there's just the strength, this power that Jesus had. And he says, you know what? No one takes my life. I'm, I'm laying it down. Paul said the same thing. He says, I had this attitude of my life to live it. It's for Christ. You know, Paul had experienced prison before. So when he's writing this letter, he'd been there in, in prison before. Do you know what he's doing in prison? He's worshiping God. In the middle of the night after he had just been whipped, you know, he was a Roman citizen, should not have been. He's, um, he's in jail. His legs are in the stocks. You know, their hands are chained. There's guards all around them. And him and Silas are there. And what, what happens? They start singing. They start singing. Why? Because they got their eye on the prize, not on the situation that they're in. I want to say the same thing to you. Can you be here this morning and just go, God, you know what? I might be feeling like I'm in this stuff, but I'm going to worship you. I'm getting my eyes on you. It's why we did what we did this morning. Get our eyes on Jesus Christ. You know, Paul's not there singing the great hymn from back when. We gotta get out of this place if it's the last thing we ever do. He's like, Jesus, you're amazing tour duty. Thanks for that. But um, he's like praying, you know, God, this is, um, you're great. I don't, it doesn't matter what happens to me or where I'm in. You're amazing. God, what do you want to do through this? And you know what? It's amazing at what happens as a result. In verse 13 of, of um, Ephesians chapter 3, Paul even says this to the, the, the Ephesians that he's writing to. He's like, hey, I'm, um, uh, it says, uh, so please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. He's saying to him, hey guys, I'm not losing heart by being in prison. Don't you guys lose heart for me. Don't, don't get um, sidetracked for me. Don't get this idea, oh, poor Paul, poor Paul. He's like, realize who you are. Get your eyes on Jesus Christ. Keep looking to him and, and know who you are. And, and I want to encourage us with that. Get your eyes on the prize. I want to talk about two, two things. God can and will work through your situation if you let him. If you let him, God can and will work through the situation you're in now. See, a lot of times we think there's, there's things that, that, uh, about now that, oh, God can't be doing something because of where I find myself now. Some, of, some think that God can't do anything in their life because of their past. If that's you this morning, Satan wants you to focus on your past. Wants you to look back at that, look at your mistakes. You know, I can't do anything for God because look at this. Look what I've done. Look where I've come from. He wants you to focus on your failures. He wants you to focus on your situation. He wants you to focus on your limitations. Do you want to know something? God simply wants you to focus off of you and onto him because with God all things are possible in your life with God all things are possible now so often it's our focus is on us it's just on God I want you to do this in my life now I want you to do this now and if you don't do this uh, you can't be you cannot possibly be working through this situation but he can if you let him and the idea is that our focus is on him that I might be in prison but I'm not a prisoner I'm looking at, at Jesus Christ. If I'm a prisoner to anything, it's to him. It's that my life is his. Your past does not disqualify you from your future in Jesus Christ. It doesn't disqualify you. If you look at who God worked with in the past and called heroes of faith, it's ridiculous, that list. You know, go read through Hebrews chapter 11 and look at the dudes who are on that list. You know, there's a guy named Abraham. He gave his wife away to other men twice. I don't know how he survived. <laughs> you know, but, but here's a guy who 
you know, God just said, you can trust me with everything. And, and he goes through the first parts, didn't trust, didn't trust, didn't trust. And God turned him, his life around to be a guy who uh, is the father of faith, of trusting God. Jacob, compulsive liar. All the time, God, yet God used him. Samson used his God-given strengths for his own evil desires. He was like a man whore, you know, and, it's, uh, and yet God used him to bring incredible deliverance. Rahab was a prostitute. For any of you who think, you know, you got sexual addiction, God can use and do amazing things through your life. Joseph was a prisoner. He was a slave for most of his life. Noah, he got drunk after one of the greatest uh, uh, rescues that God had ever done in his life. And yet God could use him. Moses was a poor speaker. Um, Peter was the opposite. He talked too much. We both know people on both sides of that coin. Paul, the guy writing this, was a murdering persecutor of the church. And yet God turned his life around to become the greatest builder and encourager of it. So what lies about your past are you believing that are limiting you and causing you to look at prison bars in your life rather than Jesus Christ? What are they? Because he's telling you this morning, come to me. Look at me. Don't worry about that. I will use that. Do you know what I've seen in my own life? That my greatest weaknesses have been what God has used for greatest strength in other people. He's used my failures to bring um, uh, hope and, and, and life to others. He can do it for you. You know, I heard someone say this, this week that God takes people's messes, turns them into messages. He wants you to share your story. He can use that to change something uh, and do something incredible. He'll take the test that you're in and give you a testimony. I mean, these guys here know all about it. You know, living through the coldest winter in 50 years without running water? Huh? God, when? Deliver us, Lord. But watching and saying, you know, I know because they shared with me. Our eyes are on him. God, what do you want to do in and through us through this time? Eyes in the right place saying, you know what? Oh, God, just get us out of here. Oh, if you don't do this, you can't possibly be God. Oh, it was never like that. It's this idea of God, we just look to you. You're our strength. You're our provision. We're here. We'll do whatever uh, while we're in this place. You know what lies are you believing? Some think that your past is hindering what God can do in your life now. Not true. Some think that... that um, that God can't do anything in your present situation. Yeah, you know, you know, my past is forgiven, all that stuff is good, but just right now, you know, I'm just not quite there yet. You have this idea that Jesus is in love with your future you. You know, that you, you're like, uh, yeah, I'm getting this. And once I do get it, you know, once I've read Ephesians at least half as many times as Mark, then God's going to be able to do something in my life. I, I get that. I'm, I'm working towards that. Someday, someday it's going to be down the road, always looking for someday. Forgetting that God wants to... Uh, do something in your life now. You know, you're not really living until, until I, I'm somewhere else. Where's the somewhere else in your life that you're waiting to get to? What, what is it? Oh, if I just had a different job, you know, then I'd be happier. And I know God would be doing stuff in my life then. You know, if, if I just made more money, you know, then I could give to the church and give to the poor and, and I'd be able to do something then. You know, if I just got married, then sometimes turns into, if I just got out of prison, then. Always this idea of somewhere down the road. I want to encourage you that he wants to work through your life now. Now. That means today. Now. Oh, Mark, you don't know me. I don't need to. I don't need to. Because I know him. <laughs> right? It, you don't need to know you either. You just need to know him. Oh, if I just knew what God wanted me to do, I'll tell you. If you're in that question, like, oh, if God would just tell me what to do, then 
I could do it. Well, he says this, go out and reach. Go reach people who don't know Jesus Christ. Do you know any? No? Think about it. Think of the faces right now of people you know who don't know Jesus Christ. He said, reach them. How? I don't know. Go hang out with them. Go talk to them. Reach them. What do you say? Preach. What do I tell them? Preach good news. Tell them the good stuff of who Jesus is. Tell me, hey, if you, if the, at the least, hey, man, you, you should come check out my church. Uh, why? Uh, I had some guy there with me this morning. He's texting his friend, you know, you should come check out our church. Well, what kind is it? Dutch Reformed or whatever? He's like, no, it's a Nirvana church. Just come as you are. It's like rock and roll. <laughs> and I'm like, sweet, you know, all right. Uh, if you're here this morning, um, cool. Um, but th- that same idea of just, hey, just if I- I'll start the conversation to what it, to what it might look like. Uh, and then teach. Just teach others what it's like to live a life that's following after Jesus Christ. What, how do you do that? Just do it. Just live a life. You say, you know what? I just keep depending on Jesus Christ. I might be in a tough spot, but it's okay. He's got me. Don't wait for a missions trip to go and do something for God. Don't wait until you've got like a ministry position, until you've got a title here in this church. We don't give those out. Um, you're never going to get one. So just do something for God now. You know, maybe it's this idea of, oh, I'm waiting until I get to preach at the front. Don't wait for that. Just do something now. He wants to do something through your life now, and it's probably going to be through that, those, that prison that you feel you're in. Why? Because there's someone else going through it too who needs to hear the message of hope, and they don't have it yet. He wants to do something through your life now. How does that work? Here's how it works. Jesus changing your life and you telling someone about it. You just saying, okay, God, you know what? I'm going to look to you. I guarantee you, you look at Jesus, he's going to change your life. He just is. Your situation, your whole perspective is going to change. You know, what's it look like? Steel workers. You guys work in the steel mill? You know, there's tough guys there, tough, rough, tough dudes. You know, they're passing porn around a break. You know, they think they got their whole life all together, and guess what? They're hurting inside like crazy. Why? Because they don't have their life figured out. Their marriages are falling apart. They can't figure out what to do with their teens. They, their life is, is falling apart, and all this money they think they're making isn't, isn't fixing anything. They need Jesus. They need somebody who's like a real man at, at the steel mill says, you know what? Hey, I go to this cool church. I think you, I think you might like it. Come check it out sometime. Why? Why would you go to church? Well, you know, I used to be in a place where life didn't make sense, but I, I met Jesus. He's real. He's alive. and He's changed my life. And you know what? You get to that place where you're low and feeling hopeless. He knows, and he can help you. Just leaving it at that. You know, I, I was um, at a meeting last week, and we were talking about uh, Theo Fleury, young guy, played for the Calgary Flames. You know, he was abused all the way through his, um, through his years of, um, of junior hockey crazy, crazy story. You know, somebody said to him, hey, man, you, you know, just find God. You know, that's what I did. He's like, find leap in God? <laughs> I don't need that, right? He's saying this in the meeting, and, and he says, I was like, no way. Like, if there was a God, I never would be in this place. And yet, at the end, he just said, you know what? I did exactly what it was. Was he made perfect? No, he still had some rough edges and cuss languages and whatever, but you know what? God was doing something in, in his heart, bringing a change. Why? Because that's what he does. It's what he does. He changes lives. What's it look like? You, you know, the hairdressers. I love how one of the hairdressers at our church, she's cutting hair, and she's like, I'm not just a hairdresser. I'm on a mission. <laughs> I'm on a mission that every person that comes through here might be the next person who's going to meet Jesus Christ. And cutting hair, she's like, hey, you should check out my church. They meet on Saturday nights. She doesn't even go on Saturday nights. She sent this person here on Saturday night, and she shows up and's like, hey, so-and-so go here. I'm like, yeah, but Sunday mornings, we're glad you're here. And she's, so it's this opportunity just to, to share, yeah, Jesus Christ with somebody. I mean, it didn't matter. Why? Because she's like, I'm on a mission. My life's just not just about me doing what I'm doing. 
What's it look like? Moms, I've heard of moms at violin lessons from our church, you know, sitting there and, and at Bible study on Tuesday night, they had this homework. They had to go and ask people who don't know the Lord just some spiritual-based questions. What do you think of this? And so she was at violin lessons sitting with the other moms, you know, listening to the screechy sounds coming from the other room. Said, hey, can, can, we, um, can we maybe chat? Like, I, I got to do this survey um, for this class I'm in. It's some homework I got to do. Can I ask you a couple questions just about, um, you know, about spirituality? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. As began to talk, it just opened doors. And the next week, they're like, I want to know, you know, I want to know more. What, what's, what is the stuff that you're talking about, what you believe? Amazing. Why? Just simply on mission, wherever they are. He wants you to be on mission for him now. That your life, you're in the right place now. He's not waiting for you to get somewhere before he's going to do something in your life. I'm just in high school. Yeah, you're in high school now. I can't go back in your high school. They will arrest me. You're there to be, a, to be on mission for Jesus Christ, sharing the hope that you have, the friends that are looking for love, and you know it, to say, listen, you know what? Hey, come check out my church. You know, or I, hey, you know what? I, I, my life didn't make a whole lot of sense either, but I, I've met this guy named Jesus. I'm not perfect yet, but he's making changes in my life. There's, I, I, there's something that's different in my life uh, now. You know, maybe you're going to doctor's appointments like crazy. We've got a little guy in our church who's going to, to doctor's appointments every month right now. And they're just, that, that family's like, we're just on mission. You know, we're going there and we're just, we, every chance we get, we get to talk to the doctors about Jesus. You know, hey, you, you do uh, brain surgery? Oh, that's cool. I, ever realize how intricate the brain is? Ever wonder why? And I'm like, sweet, you know, praying with, praying with people at the hospital. Why? Because they're on mission. They're on mission to realize it's not about me. It's about him and about spreading his news. We had a, a lady this um, on Friday here. It was her funeral here. Her name was Shirley. She sat right in that section uh, right there with the blonde girl. Uh, right uh, here in her chair. Uh, it was just great. She, um, well, okay, right beside where she was. It's all, it's all good. But Shirley, she started coming to this church, and, and sweet lady. I went to visit her in the hospital. She had broken her leg. And as I was sitting there talking to her, she's like, why would you come to visit me? She's like, you should be visiting people who really need to be visited. And I'm like, well, you're in the hospital, right? So I'm going to hang out with you. And she's like, okay, cool. And she's like, sweet. And so she's, um, she's uh, just wonderful. She's like, want to do a puzzle? I'm like, yeah, let's do a puzzle. So we sat there and we're, we're doing a puzzle. She's 74. She looked, I thought she was like 50 maybe. And she's, um, she's like doing the puzzle. And all of a sudden she sees other people around the room and she starts yelling at them. She's like, hey, what are you in for? And the people are like, what? They're like, uh... 10 years, life? I don't know. What, what, what do you mean? They're like, what's that question? She's like, well, I broke my leg. That's what I'm in here for. What are you in here for? And they're like, uh, well, and they don't want to tell their medical condition. She's like, want to do a puzzle? And so they're like, oh, okay. And she's like, this is my pastor. You know, I got this great church. And I'm like, all right then. So I start talking. We play Dutch bingo. I find out they know people who were here like years ago. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And we can start talking about Jesus. And she got a whole table full of people who are doing a puzzle talking about Jesus. She was like, uh, on fire young lady then I came to her funeral and heard about her life grew up didn't know her parents had no idea what love was she uh, had no idea how to raise children or show love to them her kids stood up here like yeah mom would just cuss us out all the time you know like and they, they would all kind of chuckle you know we were crying she's like grow up and I'm like I'm three you know uh, this this kind of a, a lady rough and tough and then they said something just so gripping to me that a few years ago when someone in Townsend invited her to church and she went to church and she, they said something happened to our mom that we cannot describe. She was not the same person the last bunch of years of her life. We just saw this change in her that all of a sudden, you know, her family was so estranged from her because of the way she was. All of a sudden, all came back this summer to spend family time together. Why? Because God's fixing those relationships. They sat here in this place and said, you know what? 
If it was church that changed my mom, then you know what? I think that we need to start checking this thing out. Why? Change lives. All of a sudden, mom's just talking about, didn't have to have it all together. Just said, hey, you know what? I believe he's going to use my life now. Guess what? I'm so glad she did because her now was just a short period of time. He wants to do something in your life now. Last thought. How does it work? How does it work? It works by you just recognizing that I might be in a tough situation, but God can do something through it. Tomorrow's St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day. Woo-woo! It's the day, you know, in the Lent season where you're allowed to drink beer. All right. Uh, it really is. It's crazy. And it should be green, right? So, uh, uh, and it's about wearing green, the shamrock, right? But uh, most people don't really know the story of St. Patrick and why he's a saint. You know, St. Patrick's Day, raise a pint. You know, we're all Irish. Uh, but he says... Um, the story of St. Patrick is that 350 years after Jesus went back to heaven, there was a little guy uh, whose middle name was uh, Patricius or whatever, uh, something like that. Sorry if I got that wrong. But uh, he's, um, he, uh, he was growing up in England, uh, part of the Roman um, uh, occupation there. And his parents, his uncle or his grandfather was a priest. His dad was a deacon. But he wasn't really growing up knowing the Lord too much. He just knew of the Lord. And when he was 16, he was, um, he was uh, abducted from that island by a bunch of Irish pirates who took him to Ireland where they sold him to, um, to one of the chieftains there, one of the heads of their um, Druidic uh, religion. And he lived there as a slave, um, keeping sheep the whole time. You know, and as he, was, as he was there for six years, he says, that's where I said, I, I met God. I learned how to pray. So I'd pray like 100 times a day and sometimes 100 times a night just, to, just to, to stay sane. He says, I learned some things while I was there. He says, he learned the culture. He learned uh, the language of this place. So as he, was, as he was there, he never knew how long he'd be there, homesick like crazy. And then one night, six years after he'd been there, he just felt God tell him, your ship is ready to go home. Flee tonight. He'd never, I mean, it was death if he tried to escape, but he just knew, you know, God spoke to me. So he left that night, went to the, went to the coast, got on a boat, bribed the guys to take him. So those guys actually took him. They got lost. Uh, they landed in France instead of England. They wandered around France for 28 days, almost starving to death. But while he was on that thing, he began to share with these guys. He said, listen, I was in a hopeless situation before. And he began to share the, 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 the message of Jesus Christ with them, the gospel with them. And those people, they got saved uh, and they began to follow Jesus Christ as well. But it says one thing happened. As, as he was kind of leading their, their group on the way home, they, at, at the point where they were nearly starved to death, they found this, this um, herd of wild hogs. And they were like, wow, this guy, you know, this, this guy who's been um, talking about Jesus, all of a sudden something happens, like, we believe, you know, and, and, they, and they survived, but he went home to his parents, great celebration, and, you know, Patrick's home, and he says, you know, I was out there, he said, I found out that God's real, began to say, I wanted to study the word, and never knew how I could, he began to study the word, and, and then as he was doing that, he had another dream that God just dropped in his heart, saying, all he saw was these kids in Ireland who he knew, just crying out for him to come back and save them. He felt like, God, you know what? I'm going to go on mission to Ireland. Went to Ireland. Spent 30 years there just sharing the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, we look at it now and think, oh, it's all, you know, it's all Catholic churches. He's a Catholic saint. It, you know, it started with a guy who simply knew Jesus Christ. and said, I'm going to be on mission now. I'll go back to the prison. <laughs> but I'm going there to, to save. This morning, same thing for you. Don't let the enemy win in the worst times of your life. God wants to use those things, speak through those things, reach through those things now. So what are you doing? Are you living your life on mission? 
it won't make sense otherwise. You'll do like we said at the beginning. You'll keep running back to these empty things. If I just bought this thing, if I just use my money for this, it's going to make me happy. How many times we do that? How many iPhones and iPads and whatever else do you need before you realize, oh, you know, <laughs> it doesn't satisfy. How many new cars, new homes, bigger places, bigger things, you realize, oh, it doesn't satisfy. It does for a little bit, but it doesn't long term to realize that the whole idea was this idea of being on mission with Jesus Christ. He says, I'll give you life, I'll give you rest, it's going to make sense, just come, follow me. My challenge is that for you, wherever you are, you're there now. I don't mean right here, maybe I do. Maybe he wants to use your life, well, he probably does, right now. There's somebody here that maybe needs to hear your story. You feel like sitting here this morning, I had to go and talk to that person, go talk to them. Do it now, or after we pray. Do it do it now. Decide and say, you know what? Jesus, whatever. You know, I, you know I've been praying about this stuff, but I realize, God, I'm going to look at you no matter what. What do you want to do in and through my life? It's yours. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Paul, for the example that he gave us and so many others. We didn't need to be perfect before you would do something in and through our lives. Jesus, we want to be on mission with you and for you, for your kingdom. I, I just pray over every person here this morning that as they, uh, as they allow your word to sink into their heart, that you'd give them opportunities this week to just be able to share your love, share your hope, share your life, that they'd live their lives this week on mission for you, that they'd see your kingdom come in their life and your will be done in and through their lives now. Pray against any lies that would try and uh, hinder this as soon as they leave this place, that Holy Spirit, you would lead and guide each one of them into truth they would know the truth about who they are in you. Thank you for that. God, may we, uh, may we be a light that shines bright for you this week, wherever we uh, find ourselves, uh, for your glory, for your kingdom, that you might be praised and that people might see that you're alive and well today. Love you a lot. Love you a lot. In your name we pray.